They want me to change, they want me to change, but I ain't changing, nah. And you are now tuned in to another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio brought to you by M3S3 Clothing. Men make moves and suckers stand still. And as always on the mighty, 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 mighty Nerd DJs Radio Network. And at this point, it's redundancy at its finest. I only rock with legends over this way. You already know. And today is absolutely no exception. We got the goddess, the queen, the businesswoman, the actress, the dancer, the choreographer, the great big lasers in the building. Survived the wildest years of my life. Now you put my life in danger and there's no forgiving that. Yo, okay, so 17 but years. She yeah. I can understand. I totally get that. Because I just, I, that's not something that I could deal with either. Like, I can deal with a lot of shit, and I have. And I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been cheated on, and I have cheated on somebody. Mm. I did not understand what I was doing to that person when I cheated on them um, until somebody cheated on me. That's usually how it happens. But I've never cheated, ever. I'm, I'm loyal, not to a fault, but to my core. And disrespect and disloyalty will be the two things that will make you be off of, off of your head. So on to the next. I spent a year or two in therapy trying to make sure I didn't end up on the six o'clock news. Um, had to deal with some legal stuff that worked out into my benefit because you don't get to walk away after doing so much disruptive stuff and taking time away that I can never get back. So the courts recognized it as a marriage. Thank you, Jesus. There's no such thing as um, what do they call it? Um, uh Oh, my gosh. When they think you lived together for seven years or whatever. Um, oh, oh common law. Common law. Right. That thing has ex not existed since almost the 18th century. So there are other things that have been put in place since that work to my benefit. So your cheating became very expensive. But okay. I'm on to the next and life is beautiful and I'm open without putting any blame on whoever's to come with any of that baggage. Like, let's go. Let's just ride to the sunset, travel, elevate each other, love on each other and let's move on. So. That looks okay. good right now. Okay. All right. Um, let me ask. So in 100 years, BET, do you think black folks will look back and say it was really good for us? Or was it a gift or a curse? Absolutely a gift. Art is always a gift. No matter how raunchy and celebrity, it's a gift. And it's documented. You you know, we went into neighborhoods and I can really speak because of Rap City or the music videos that I've contributed to what our culture really is, um, you know, where people are afraid to step their pinky toe or the fact that they doubt the fact that this kid may have failed out of school, but he excelled in English in a way that you couldn't understand. So his metaphors and similes made it to wax. And now he's got gold and platinum records and, you know, your kids are listening to him. So, yeah, I think it's a gift. All the elements of hip hop, right? The guy who was doodling and writing on stuff is now the dopest graffiti artist or selling, you know, doing album covers and all that other stuff. So absolutely, I, I would say it was a gift. It okay. is a gift. First interview you did on, on BET. Oh, geez. It had to be Prince DeJour ushered me in because he was the host at that time. We were down at mm -hmm. Freaknik in like somewhere in Florida. And it was either, I want to say either Outcast or TI, somewhere in there. Like they were just starting to come and I did their first and they did my first. But I can't remember the exact first person. 
mm-hmm. but it, it felt good. And, you know, I learned those first couple of interviews or months or that year was absolutely a learning curve because you're like, you learn, you got to pay attention or, you know, not just reading the cue cards. You got to know the information. You have to really just be in it. So I learned a lot. I have really amazing producers that taught me along the way. So I didn't fall into like crutch words and all kinds of other stuff that I learned, which allowed me to end up producing, you know, six and seven years in on the show. So what's the difference between a producer and the host? Like what, what, what are your, your duties? How do they change? Well, as a host, really, you're just here to relay the information, right? You're here mm-hmm. to hit your sponsors. You're here to draw out the conversation between whoever your talent person is. You're here to give the information to the viewers on the other side. Uh, hopefully, you know more than them so that they feel informed by the time they walk away. Uh, the producer is the person who's pulling all those elements together. They're booking the location. They're working with the record label to book the artist. They're uncovering also, too, some of the music or the world premieres of finding out the dates of you know, the clothing shoe launch and all these other things and the scheduling so that we are there first to make it happen. And they're also sitting in editing, making sure this sounds good, this looks good, and you know, all that stuff. What was your most enjoyable and what was the worst moment you had on Rap City? The worst moment's easy, um, which is crazy because again, I said I grew up with Kid and Play. We've known each other since we were like nine, 10, 11 years old. So I'm thinking the interview is gonna be a shoe in. These are the homies, blah, blah, blah. And you know, Play let me have it. I, and that it was the best lesson I could have ever learned because I, you know, people start talking, even if you ask them a question, they start, you know, going on a tangent. So I ended up asking him a question because it was on my cue card that he had already answered. And he was like, so you weren't listening to me. You had already asked me that. And I just said X, Y, and Z. And I just was like, and I was like, that'll never happen again, (laughs) ever. But it was, so, you know what I'm saying? So as embarrassing as it felt, it was the best lesson of me paying attention and that the cue cards really don't matter. You have to be invested in the conversation. Um, I had so many great interviews. Like I love talking to really old school artists because they have, they don't, they don't just come with, you know what I'm saying? We keep it real. You know, when you talk to Eric Sermon or DJ Premier or Ice-T or Ice Cube, like you have real conversations. Um, I had the most fun with like Dub C gave me my first lowrider ride and, you know, Razkaz and I went up in a helicopter and Exhibit and I were on jet skis and, you know, then we get to go to Jamaica and we hang out with like Buju Ponton and Capleton and Patcher and we're all over the island and people love us and we go to Toronto and it's so dope. We're at Caravan and Everybody loves raps like so it took me all over the place and and we got to meet a lot of great people and artists that some that you guys have never had a chance to meet even after a couple of spins of their video they never really got any radio play but they were really dope mm-hmm. or artists that like started with us and then blew up so the whole experience was really good who did you think was going to be the next it and didn't pan out oh oh and it didn't pan out oh geez um hmm wow I have to really think about it. Um, oh, I think there was, there was a lot of West. We did a lot of West Coast artists. There was like a uh, little badass who should have blown up. Uh, even though MC8 was on that soundtrack for John Singleton's move, movie, he was really, really, really dope. Um, and should have been bigger. Um, His podcast is dope too, by the way. Yeah, he's dope. Um, let me try and think, because there was probably some girls in there who probably should have been really big 
God, this show was a thousand years ago. I can't think. It'll come to mind. I'll be like, oh, yeah. Um, but there, there were a handful of people who, you know, dealing with the politics and the politics of the record label never got their proper due. So their albums got shelved and whatever happened, happened. So speaking of the, the, the females in hip hop, they, they have taken over. Um, what do you think of this current crop of female MCs? I think there are some really gifted women out there. Like, I think Lotto has been dope since she was nine or 10. I think um, Lola Brooke is dope. She's like, I feel like I'm a little low. Like, she's my whole New York essence is in Lola Brooke, and she's just a little dime, stick of dynamite. Um, I think Coyla Ray is dope because I think Coyla Ray spans over so many different genres and gives you especially her new album like she can mm -hmm. give you a little bit of rock edge she can give you a little edm she can you know um i think there's some real I, I love meg i think meg's dope i think i'm just exhausted that these women who actually have talent i'm tired of the twerking i'm over it myself and this is coming from a dancer right who got her own twerk game who's doing handstands the legs open the whole bit i'm i get it do your expressing of your your sexual self and i'm here for it but I think that kind of takes away from the gift you actually have. Um, and these girls are really talented. So I'd like to see more of them because they're about to evolve. I think Meg's about to evolve, especially with the Marvel Comics thing and stuff. And she won't need to twerk. But that's what the hood people who put her on love to see. And it's a skill, right? But she doesn't have to keep doing that to get in, to get on. Um, so I'm happy that they can talk the talk and walk the walk. I'm all for sexual freedom or whatever the case is, you know, that double standard of like women not being able to express themselves or, you know, I want a lady in the streets and a freak in the sheets. Well, guess what? She's a freak in the streets too, you know, and that doesn't necessarily mean that she's wearing her legs for everybody, but that confidence and that sexual um, ownership, I think is a beautiful thing. This is not the 1940s, fifties or anything anymore. We're in a millennial century, you know, Whatever, and, and it's. I, I'm just an old fat guy, but I think that they're. When you use it as a crutch, mm -hmm. and that seems to be, if I see your ass more than I see your face in every video, right? I got a problem, and it's it's no different with me. Like I don't want to hear no dude talking like uh, uh, dudes have been talking about selling cocaine for the last thirty years. Yeah, I'm. And respectfully, but I, I'm not with that. Like, they talk about something else, bro. No, I like, get it. I absolutely, you know. I absolutely get it. But the old adage is sex sells, right? Yeah. Men never, and men, they still have to have some sort of some sort of sex appeal. They get away with a whole lot, looking crazy and aged out and overweight and all that other stuff. I think for women, the pressure's on. But once you get in with it, and I agree with you, you don't have to. You can switch it up, but you also might lose risk losing certain fan base, right? So you kind of have to decide. But then again, that's also your personality and you can't shrink who you are just to impress X, Y, and Z, you know? So. You ever considered being, uh, having your own label? No. Yep. I'm not in the music industry that way. I'm a, I'm a creative mm -hmm. um, and I'm a talent, right? So me wanting to manage somebody, which is like babysitting, no thank you. You know, I've managed my own career. <laughs> for the last almost 30 years. And that itself is like a whole lot of work just doing me. Um, you know, I see a lot of talented people and I'm more than happy to like be the liaison to, you know, Jermaine, I think you need to talk, see this girl, blah, blah, blah. And kind of, you know, walk away from it. 
Um, maybe let me create her visuals and her stage show and do her tour and all that other stuff. That's kind of where I live. That's my wheelhouse. That's the gifts that I've been given. But me managing and all of that record label stuff, no, nah, I'm not here for that. <laughs> okay. Radios, videos, or live performance? Which one do you prefer? As a consumer or as a performer? As a performer. Oh, uh, live, for sure. Live is um, live performing on stage, Broadway, arena, is an energy, and it's the training, it's the stamina, it's the sweat, it's the touching the people, it's the smelling, it's the like, you can't beat it. You know, music videos are dope too because being in front of a camera and if you mess up, you have that luxury sure of doing it again. And it also will last for a lifetime, um, which is great too. Um, but that live, I miss touring. Like I almost want to like come out of retirement. I remember going to Vegas to watch Usher's show who I've never danced for, but because I've been to a thousand of his shows, you know, being his friend and friends of, you know, his family and people, whatever. I just was like, this is different. And I want to be a part of it. Like with Missy, I want to be, I've never danced with Missy. I've known Missy since 1989 when she was in sister. How I've never danced for her, I do not know. But I'm like, girl, I might come out of retirement for you. You know, I watched Savage Fenty. <laughs> never, never. I haven't met Rihanna yet, you know, but I like the choreographer Paris Goble. And so when I see that art come together, I'm like, yeah, I need to be in that. It's sexy. It's bright. Like calling me. What, what's it like to screw up live? <laughs> it's, um, it's not as embarrassing as you think because the audience has no clue. Like, unless you really fall and bust your ass, which I've done. Like, I've done backflips on stage, and because the smoke machine can wet the floor, then I've slipped or fallen out of a backflip or whatever. But then it's like... Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When did this happen? This was, I think, on the Bobby Brown or the Heavy Detour, probably on both. I probably wiped out, you know. Um, and you just kind of get up and you catch the choreography and you're just like, whatever. I don't see you back flipping, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Nobody, you're not going to say that I'm whack, right? But it just happens. You see Simone Biles fall off beam. So it's like, you know, you see your greatest athletes. You've seen Serena miss a ball. So, you know, it is what it is. You don't take it personal. Um, especially when it's not your fault, right? It's not a technical skill fault. It's a technical environmental fault. You know what I'm saying? Like the floor was not supposed to be wet, but it's wet and I wiped out. So all you can do is really like, if you forget and you black out, just like artists forget the lyrics to their song, it happens. Mm -hmm. You forget the choreography or you start doing choreography and you're like, what? It, uh, and then you just got to catch it and you just, it is what it is, you know? Oh, but that's what rehearsal is for. So that doesn't happen. But you it does. So much You're human. Than me. I'm doing a backflip and I fall in front of 30,000 people. I'm probably going home. No, no, you say that, but you're like, yeah. But I guess, yeah. again, my gymnastic training is you bust your ass a million times to learn the trick. And then you don't always have a good meet. You don't always have a good competition. Right. Tiger Woods doesn't always hit a hole in one. So you just it is what it is. Next. <laughs> Bobby Brown has a, a reputation with something positive about Bobby Brown that we don't know? Oh, Bobby's all positive. Um, I think because you guys don't see what happens behind closed doors. And right again, we didn't have the internet then. And even half the stuff people think they see or know on social media is still a farce anyway. Um, Bobby's cool. Bobby's really talented. Like Bobby would come to rehearsal late 
pick up the choreography like that. Like he's just that gifted and be like in it. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's a lot of fun. Um, you know, and he's really savvy and smart, but he's his, you know, the industry just pulls at you to the point where you just get so frustrated that you want to explode. Your family pulls at you begging for money or this and the other. And you just are like exhausted from it. You just want a moment of peace. And, um, you know, people who are on the outside looking in are like, well, what do you have to complain about? You're making money, you're selling records. But every artist that you've ever seen, whether they were Motown artists, rock artists, remember behind the music, they all told you about this snake, this person, this yeah. contract. There's so much that people don't know that happens behind the scenes that you have to deal with on a daily basis that you're just like, damn, even me as a dancer where choreographing got so political how it show up to places you got to fight for your money you got to negotiate the, the the studio wasn't paid for i just want to dance can i just dance i don't even want to choreograph right now i just want to dance to somebody else's choreography so i don't even have to work so i can get back to the girl who was dancing in the club and just and nobody knows what that is right people who just paint because they want to and now they're commissioned to paint exactly what this person wants it does mm. something to your creative creativity and if you're not a creative person who knows what it means to have to express yourself with your soul, then you'll never get it. How long do you live when you when you uh, are choreographing something? How long do you live with what you've created dance wise, the routine wise before you introduce it to the dancers? Um, it depends and it's ever changing. You know, it can change if one dancer gets hurt and you've been doing it with six dancers for like six weeks and then one gets hurt and there's no replacement. Then you got to change everything up, take stuff out, move it around. You know, uh, the remix happens, the song, and now all of a sudden the beats change and you have to take some elements out. So you, but that's the fluidity of dancers. And that's why they're professionals is that we can pick up and change and switch it however we need to. You know, we can learn something Monday night, but something happens Tuesday where one of the set pieces didn't make it from the last show. So now we're not going to be able to do that song or those elements. And so now within 12 hours or six hours, you have to make the adjustment. Within an hour before the show, you have to make an adjustment. You know, but that's what the training's for. That's what sets, separates the people who are studying in class versus people who have studied out of class and have gotten all the experience. So that's why you get hired. For my, for, for, for me, the Jabberwockies are my favorite dance crew of all time. Mm -hmm. Like those dudes just, just took shit to a different level and still had the technical skills from their four, four dancers who you rock with like the most as far as like a dance crew? Oh, the Mop Top crew. The Mop Top crew are um, guys out of New York, which include Flex Alexander, the actor, um, Buddha Stretch, um, Henry, Khalif Sellers, um, uh, uh, Loose Joints, um, Ejo Wilson. Those guys are the ones who shaped me. Voodoo Ray, rest in peace. Um, Mike Williams, the actor, was part of that crew as well. Um, they are the guys who shaped me from being that gymnast who stood upright with pointed toes when I became a club kid, learned how to bop and bounce and take it to the floor and do house music. They are the ones who choreographed for uh, Mariah Carey. They've done, three of those guys did Remember the Time that are responsible for that. Um, and they embraced me. So when I was in the battling in the circles, like they never... We're like, nah, no girls allowed. They were like, come on, Les, come on, Les. And they would be like showing me tricks or I would be battling against them. And it was all love. So the Mop Top crew forever in my heart, for sure. That's dope. House music. Um, 
like like being from Detroit, you know, Detroit and Chicago, you know, you got everybody got cousins in Chicago and people from Chicago got cousins. So the the, the techno music and house music huge, especially when I was growing up. Mm. Like, at what point did you jump off into house music? I'm a I'm a house head first, or probably more so than I am a hip hop dancer. Even though, like, I grew up on hip hop, you know, with the early Sugar Hill and all that other, you know, LL and everything else. Especially being from Queens and being in the clubs and at the roller skating rink. Um, sure, you do the WAP and you do the AJ and you do all of that stuff, you know, all those dances. <laughs> but when house music came, I just it took over my soul. It is just tribal. It is just something that just kind of penetrated. And so when you dance to house music, it is like a little bit of tap. It's a little bit of jazz. It's a little bit of gymnastics, a little bit of whatever you want it to be. And the music just kind of makes you just ascend to heaven. So for me, I'm more of a fluid house dancer who can morph into, I can do a little bit of tap. I can do a little jazz. I can do, you know, very little ballet. I'm not that flexible, but you know what I'm saying? But house music for me just kind of speaks to my soul, even more so than hip hop does. You still go out to the clubs and dance? Absolutely. I don't battle as much, right? Because I'm usually liking something cute. And I'm, you know, back in the day, I'd be like in three sports bras with sneakers and I'm ready to battle. Like, you know, but I will be dancing by the DJ for like five to six hours. And folks are like, how are you still the Energizer Bunny, like that's what my friends still call me. And I'm just like, it just is what it is because now it's what I started doing. You just go to the club to be free and I don't have to worry about what time. I don't have to worry about how many dancers. I don't have to worry about choreography. I can just groove and feed my soul and, you know, have a good time. So it depends. It depends on who's spinning because I follow my DJs, right? And it depends on my, the club atmosphere. So I, I've never been a typical like Friday, Saturday night. In New York, you already know the club scene is usually from Tuesday to Thursday. Friday and Saturday is a bridge and tunnel night, meaning like New York and Connecticut and Philly come and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to those clubs, right? So, yeah, it's too, you know, you got to know where the underground, underground spots are so you don't get there until 2 a.m. and then you leave at like 6, 7 in the morning. So no. I, I, I'm asleep by two o'clock. Actually, at this point in life, I'm asleep by nine o'clock. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh no! You can sleep when you're dead. I'm still in these streets, hard. <laughs> Yo, last time you battled somebody, uh, like a real battle or like a fun, playful battle? Like me and Flex had a fun, playful battle against each other not too long ago. That's my guy. We don't live far from each other. We're still, you know, we hang out all the time. Me and Flex Allergen, we. We came up as club kids together. So we'll playfully battle each other, you know, and then we'll be like, oh, my back, oh, my knees, you know. <laughs> um, I haven't had a dance battle probably since somewhere in the 2000s, I guess, early 2000s, you know, it's been a long time. Yo, you're talking about Flex the Comedian, right? Absolutely. Flex Alexander, the comedian. He's a dancer. Know. Remember, he used to dance with Salt and Pepper, Crystal no, Waters. No, I don't. I don't remember. Go on YouTube. The videos are there. The footage is there. We got receipts, honey. We've been in this game a long time. Don't play with us. Elise Neal was a dancer. Darren Henson used to choreograph and dance for CNC Music Factory. Um, Melissa D'Souza from the Best Man series. She was a dancer. Like, there's a whole bunch of us. Dulé Hill from the Wonder Years. Tap dancer, badass dancer. All of us, club kids, you know. Yo, so who was the choreographer, dancer that you looked up to? Oh, there were two. Um, obviously, the one and only Debbie Allen. 
who I still to this day have not met. Can somebody please introduce us? And I know some people who know her like it's a one degree separation, but I just know it's going to happen when it's supposed to. So obviously Debbie Allen, but there was also a woman um, who used to be on that TV show, uh, Solid Gold. Her name is Darcel. If you remember, Solid Gold was a countdown music show that came on every Friday night. She yes. was like the only black one there with these tall, long legs, this long ponytail. She would be giving it to you, honey, just giving it to you. And now I got her to be on my <laughs> podcast. I found her on Facebook. She came on when I was doing a podcast. I can call her up anytime. So it was a full circle moment. Like, that's my girl. But she is a legend in her own right. Google Solid Gold. Google Darcel Solid Gold. Go on YouTube and you will see how fierce and fabulous this woman is. And I would tap, tie a towel around my head so I have a ponytail like her. And I'd be knocking over furniture <laughs> in my house. And my mother would be like, what the hell is going on in here? <laughs> like, but mom, I should be on the show. You know, so. <laughs> you know, behind every strong black person is a stronger mother. Mm-hmm. What's your mom's like? My mom is a Southern belle from Augusta, Georgia, who is so ladylike and dainty where i'm so i'm like my father my father was a boxer so i'm rough around the edges like my dad but she's such a lady but she is extremely smart she was a nurse um extremely wise extremely independent extremely fearless extremely ruled with an iron hand like you know that what you, you don't talk back to your mother you don't raise your voice you know i see people crazy and especially from other ethnicities Ethnicities talking. Shut up, mom. You sound stupid. You're such a what? Ooh, you already know that's not happening in this black family, Ooh, right? Mother would stomp a hole in my soul what? for that. Teeth in the corner. Go get oh. a switch. The whole bit, you know. <laughs> um, but my mom is a phenomenal, phenomenal woman. She's endured a lot. She raised two beautiful, strong daughters, you know. And I come from a women of a line of strong women in my family, predominantly women. Um, you know, she got her education after having kids. So, you know, that kind of foresight and focus and all of that stuff. So that was my driving force. And I just want to make her and my grandmother proud because they've done a lot. Top three dance moves. Oh, I wouldn't even know. Top three dance moves. I don't know. It would see. I'm probably thinking more gymnastic moves than dance moves. Top three dance moves. Um, because I'm gonna say the moonwalk's got to be up there, top three. Yes, but it's not athletic enough for me. Like, if you know my dance work, you know that I'm like knee slides on the floor, I'm like a hitch kick or a double hitch kick. That's like my move. Um, yeah, those kind of anything that's really athletic that takes you like to the floor that shows height change that just shows some athleticism. Like I can do all the cute, dainty, whatever stuff, whatever. But if you look at most of my work, it usually comes mm. with a backflip and a double spin and a, and a fly and a slide. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of like where I live. And that's kind of the things that, especially when I see female athletic dancers, because women always have to prove themselves to be um, as tough as the guys or as strong or as athletic. And so when I see other female dancers who are just like with the gymnastics and with the floor moves and like the B-girls killing it with the windmills and stuff, I'm like, come on, don't play with us. Don't play. Don't play. We can keep it cute, sexy, and athletic at the same time. I would say windmill has got to be top three, too. Yeah, for sure. I had it's to call windmill back in the day. Did you? Oh, my windmill game was smooth. I just couldn't spin on my head worth of shit. I don't know why I've never tried it, especially because I, at 
one point in college shared a gymnastic space with the guys team, but I just, it never even dawned on me to even try it. I don't know why, which I probably could have done it, you know, with my eyes closed after a couple of like, you know, bruises and scrapes and stuff. But <laughs> I think you would have been great at it to be quite, you probably could bust a yeah. windmill now if you wanted to. I probably could. I mean, if you, if you look at my page, my um, YouTube or I am Leslie Seagar, you'll see, um, I still do trapeze. I do trampoline. Um, so I'm still doing doubles or whatever. I use a belt now just to make sure I'm safe. But um, yeah, or in the pool, like I'm diving in the ocean. I'm doing backflips and all that other stuff. It's just I go for the softer landings now, right? Not on hard Understood. concrete like before. Like, oh, no, we can't be Understood. pulling a hamstring in the Achilles. Oh no. Oh. <laughs> Yo, who are the people on YouTube that are big less? What do you mean? There's a, 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 a YouTube that animation channel. thing. Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. It should say Big Les Show because that's what that thing was, and I have no idea. But they apparently have a lot of followers. I have no idea. I have not invested or interested. So. Yeah, Michael Jackson <laughs> or Prince? Michael, of course. Really? Yeah. Oh, Prince is dope musically, but I like. I'm a dancer. Right. So come on. I got you. I got you. Oh. Yeah, musically I would go with Prince, but dance-wise, it's not even a competition. Yeah, not even. But Who are you looking Michael's at today as 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 today's you? Hmm. Oh, I don't know her name. She dances for Usher. I do know her name. I can't think of it right now. And she has, I think, a very low haircut, or she's bald. But she is a fierce. She's dancing for Beyonce now. And you'll see her doing gymnastics and her acrobatic stuff is really just really, really fly um, in that sense. Oh, my gosh. I forget that I hate her name. I love the three girls, Nora, Yara and um, Rosa mm -hmm. from the Netherlands. They are so dope. They are true classic 90s hip hop girls. I love them. Um, there's who is there? Teddy Riley's daughter, Taja Riley. She's killing the game. Um, dope ass dancer for sure. Um, yeah, a little handful of people. What's the documentary about? Well, it's going to be about the women of the nineties. You know, um, we represent an era of before the video vixen and after the Rocksteady crew, where again, you put the money and the quality and the artistry and we elevated the artists, um, and that their whole, scope of performance and showmanship and every element of them. And there's a lot of us now you don't really know dancers by name, but you knew right. me, you knew Josie, you know, you knew Tish, you know, you knew Tina Landon, you knew everybody by name because you were interested in us and our ability. And sometimes not to say we were ever bigger than the artists, but we were just as noticeable or memorable as the artist and it meant something and I think those stories need to be told about that era so it doesn't get lost you know I want for me the conversation of when you're talking about Debbie Allen and Paula Abdul and Misty Copeland and all these other dancers that I'm you know hello can I be in the conversation too um, as part of history right hip-hop mm -hmm. really never gets the love and I'm like I represent hip-hop dance and I think it needs to be included in that platform of respect not just ballet or contemporary or modern or juilliard you know all of us need to be named so so is the 90s the best decade for hip-hop oh for sure 
for me. But, you know, people say that about Motown was the best or the 40s were the best. But for me, without a doubt, the 90s is the best. And I don't think I I love this. I don't love. I like where we are now in the evolution of hip hop and that, you know, the four elements are now like 10 elements of hip hop. You know what I mean? But I think the 90s represent a time and a space where people cared about lyrics, fashion for real, uh, artists by name, listen to albums, the album cover credits, the album cover art, like just everything about the music and the fact that we cross genres, right? Because a lot of us were were dipping into MTV. So we were yeah. listening to Duran Duran and Madonna and, you know, we know all of that music and it was all one love, right? So that to me of 90s music in itself, I think was just a great era. What was the most harmful to to your era your the 90s era of hip-hop dance oh oh the video vixens for sure um mm. where it became less about the art and more about the ass yeah. you know that's the kind of thing that ushered us out and moved them in you know which is almost like what reality tv is doing to people now you know the talented actors actors who have studied and trained for so long and now all you got to do is throw a drink and flip a table and now you're popular and now they think that that's what talent is until you realize that they can't read a script or a teleprompter or they can't act and then they're like yeah maybe we need to call les again or so and so again and so and so again so yeah this ai shit is really it's the devil's work it's the devil's work for sure but yeah. we have to kind of find a way to use it to our advantage because it's not going anywhere, right? So what that looks like, I think it's just understanding it, understanding how it works and understanding how it can benefit from us uh, and finding a way, especially with the sagging after strike, to make sure that those images or those voiceovers can be monetized still to the human person and not just the AI person, even if it's just a one-time buyout, that that buyout number should be this big so that you can pay for your health insurance and your mortgage, you know, for the rest of the year. I think the actors are really doing a for them to be so great at acting they're just doing a really horrible job at marketing the, the concerns that they're fighting for. Like I, I don't think really care to hear you, you you know like like Denzel talking about we losing money. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of want to hear about the people that's losing money talk about losing money cuz I don't believe Denzel is losing money. Mm. Even though he may be. Right. He is, but you nobody takes it serious from him because you feel like he should have millions and he should be comfortable and he doesn't have to worry. Exactly. But you don't know, well, we don't know his bank account. We don't know how many of those millions he spent and if he's really waiting on the next job, right? And that would be, we saw that with the NBA strike, right? Like why are these men all claiming they don't have any money? Especially when the hotels, give they get for free and you get to drive this car for free. And, you know, they spend all that time spending money on their homeboys and flying girls around the country and stuff. And you all claim broke. Well, you just don't know what somebody's financial situation really, really is behind closed doors. But yeah, you want to hear from the underdog and the people who are really struggling because for us, you don't get health insurance the minute that you book a job. You have to yeah. make a certain amount of money in order for you to get health insurance. And then you have to keep that amount of money in order to make it. And it could change and you could lose it next year, you know, which sucks. We're all in the union paying dues and it's just like the standards are crazy you know with all the streaming and stuff now and even snoop has said it like how do we calculate how many times somebody's something being streamed versus you bought a cd that's ten dollars i get 50 percent of that right you streamed 
That's point. What zero zero? How many times? Who's calculating? Who's doing the math? So it's all insane. You know, this digital era, we didn't see it coming and nobody knew how to prepare for it. And so now here we are trying to fight the good fight, to keep doing what we love and getting paid for it. I mean, you know, the thing about this, the streaming thing is that especially the the 19 year old out there that's getting 15 million streams has figured out how to maximize those 15 million streams. He may not know exactly, you know, like the real numbers, mm -hmm. but Snoop didn't know the real numbers for Doggy Style because there was a lot of Doggy Style albums being sold by his record right. company right. without an accounting. Right. So, you know, it's like you you, you got to you, you play the rules that are dealt to you for your mm -hmm. generation and the older generation, you know, they get caught slipping because they used to doing things a certain way. Myself yeah. included, you know, yeah, so sure. it, it ain't easy. You know, the learning I, doesn't stop ever, ever. Anybody who's not in the mix with this whole digital era of using your phone and posting and social media and all these other things are getting left behind. So are you addicted to up. your phone? I'm not addicted, but I recognize the tool that it is, you know, shooting oh, movies, right? Shooting audio. I, I, I knew how to edit long form because in doing radio, I know how to run the board. I know how to edit audio. I know how to edit video. Um, and so this kind of just makes it a one-stop shop on my phone. Uh, am I addicted? No, I usually post in the morning and then I don't really look at it again until later on. What I hate happens is that people start DMing you about business stuff especially people who know that they have your number and your email. So you're forced to go back into social media and be like, why are we on here talking about a contract? Can you just text me and call my agent? Like what? what? I got to go to, you know, Twitter DM. To, what? Crazy. We got about five minutes. Um, most enjoyable radio experience. I had my, Oh, well, I have, I've had my own show a few times. Um, when I was over at 92.3, the beat, I used to do middays and it was the best. It was, geez, maybe 98 to or 97 to 2000 something. And it was just kind of the best time in music, the best time in hip hop. I had a little bit of freedom because, you know, there's a lot of political stuff that happens in radio or people don't know. But there is. You can't just hand me a CD and I can play your record. Right. There's payola, mm -hmm. there's all these other things, but it just was, they were still having um, record launch release parties and, you know, first one to come and release the album on your show and da, 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 and you can talk to the people and all that other stuff. And I also had my own show on Sirius XM for like seven years. I used to be on Hot Jams and that was great too, because I could kind of curate my whole, produce my whole thing, whatever I could talk about whatever segments, create my own bits, you know, have whoever I wanted as a guest, sometimes even, you know, program my own music. Because in regular terrestrial radio, like when you, you know, hear it on FM radio, you have to deal with the music format. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the program directors are all white guys and your demographic is, you know, 18 to 35 black women. And they ain't never been to the hair salon. They don't go to the clubs anymore. They're not even at the basketball court. It's like listening to what the people want. And they're going off of papers that are stashed in houses that are not even in tune with what's happening. So there's always that fight, too, of people being like, no. But the doctors, you know, the trends say, nah, I was at the club last night. And Flex put on whatever. And it was rocking. You need to, we need to get that record on the radio. And they're like, well, we can't. But then another station will play it or another city will play it. And you're like this looking at the program director and then the program director's mad that you want up them, right? So that happens to all of us who are still in these streets a lot. So, you know, it's crazy. 
I love it, but it's political. So a little, a little girl comes to you and she loves what you've done and she wants to be you. What advice you give her? Uh, one, I say perfect your craft and go outside of the box of learning your craft, meaning stay in class, learn other styles of dance, be educated on other styles in the history of dance, know who the players are as far as choreographers, other dancers, elevate your skill level, learn how to say no, don't be so hungry or thirsty for a job. It's, it's okay to walk away because what's meant for you is for you and it'll come back. Always be professional, show up on time and move with integrity. You know, don't sell your soul for a job. Don't you don't have to bend over and get on your knees for a job ever. At what, at what point were you comfortable being a sex symbol? Oh, uh, <laughs> even, am I? I don't even know. It's so crazy because my whole gymnastic life, I had a complex because I was the biggest gymnast, right? Most gymnasts are four foot nine, five feet tall. I'm five mm -hmm. foot six. I was always 130 to 150 pounds. I may have had like 8% body fat. I was wearing a bra in the third grade and I'm in a sport where you're pretty much naked and your body is being judged for what it looks like and for what it can do. So then when I get into dance, into hip hop, Big Les is the moniker I'm given because who's the big girl doing backflips, right? So I can either really be hurt and self-conscious about it or I can kind of embrace it. And you end up having to embrace it because I didn't realize, honestly, within the last couple of years that as much as I love Pam Greer and want to be a superhero and all that other stuff, that I've been a superhero. I've been soaring yes. through the air and backflipping and doing all these things, jumping off of buildings and stuff for a long time. Um, I don't I don't know. I feel like I don't know. Sex symbol. You know, brown girls like me don't get a lot of love. Right. I came up in the era of light mulatto. Sorry if that's the, the wrong term. But, you know, mixed chicks. Sorry if I'm using the wrong term again. But that era of we got picked last, which meant I always had to be better than everybody else in the room. And I still feel like that, you know, black men don't necessarily look at black women at first. If it was Halle Berry, Jennifer Lopez, Lucy Liu, Carmen Electra, and I don't know, Gabrielle Union walking down the street, right? I just gave you five rainbows. Gabby was probably as beautiful as she is, be the last one to be looked at. And it's got nothing to do with how she, how she looks though. She is toxic queen number one. She's beautiful, but the, the, black uh, men uh, don't uh, gravitate to us like that. No, no, that's not true. I think yeah, it is. Being a black I, woman, I can tell you it is. Well, <laughs> I can I, tell from, you. From, from, from a black man's perspective, I think it's just uh, the narrative that has been thrown at us. But yeah. when, you, when you're with your boys, and definitely not a Lucy Lou, you had the body of a toddler. I'm sorry. But you got you to gotta have some... some <clears throat> You know, you got, you got to have a figure. They, they say that, but, you know, and I come with all the oomph. And I may not be for everyone, right? I don't look like Halle Berry, but I look like me. But other women get more play than women who look like us. Absolutely, the room is divided. But, you know, you say what you say and women feel what they feel. So, anyway, thank you for anyway. having me on that note. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> gonna... <laughs> thank you for... We go back and forth, for for joining the conversation. It has been an honor and a privilege. I'm sorry, I don't get nervous too often. I got nervous no. and then start the show for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, but it's been great, great, great. If there's anything, I don't know what, anything I could possibly do for you, please don't hesitate to let me know and I got you. I appreciate it. Just keep supporting us dances, as Black women in media. You know, I appreciate the love from Les. Keep following me at I am Leslie Seagar on all platforms and 
pray for your girl that you know I can get another thirty years out of this, right? We got you, and we definitely looking forward to the documentary. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Yo, that was fucking dope. And that's good. Oh, my back is itching so bad. Um, but yo, I haven't gotten nervous in a long time doing this show. I literally, I fucked up the intro. I forgot. Y'all don't even see that part. I forgot to press go live. Like, I have not got. Big Lance had your boy shook a little bit there. Took me a while to, to get, you know, get a little comfortable. But Big Lance had your boy shook. Um, Truly, 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 truly an honor and a privilege, man. Don't forget to tap into any and everything that she has done and will do in the future. Um, Who we got next week? I think we got Black Nails next week at 7 o'clock on Thursday. And, cheeks, we got a lot of people coming up. Uh, Yeah, you did. Uh, I'm sorry, reading my phone. Whew! Uh, shout out to Rita. <laughs> Rita hadn't said anything. <laughs> Yo, I would have had to, the, the, the whole interview would have just been, oh my God, I would have been kicking myself through the end of time for screwing it up that bad. On that note, man, I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And hit the notification button on YouTube. Yo, we got to get these YouTube numbers up and these Instagram numbers up. So check me out at Intellectually Petty Radio on both. Um, and tell a friend to tell a friend, man. Uh, this is Jobs. I am your host. On that note, man, y'all have a good one. And I'm out. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.